Merritt Healthcare Advisors is an investment bank with a unique focus on healthcare providers and their businesses. Transaction Healthcare is a podcast focused on addressing questions and concerns at the intersection of healthcare, transactions, and business. I'm Zach Eisenberg, Vice President at Merritt Healthcare Advisors. In this two-part episode of Transaction Healthcare, Matt Searles and Dr. Jay Brzezanski of Merritt talk with Rob Hardaleza, CEO and founder of Partners First Cardiology, a physician practice management business specifically designed for cardiologists. In this episode, the second of the series, the three go deeper on the business model of practice management platforms. They challenge various ideological points of view, including doctors who want to stay their own boss. These concerns are shared by physicians when they consider taking on a private equity partner and leaving traditional private practice. Let's listen in. You know, and to be fair, you know, when you talk to investment bankers about valuations, right, you can get some pretty wide-eyed answers. Um, so we'd like to talk about, you know, more, more in the context of the dif- differential between like an add-on and a platform, because because people can look at multiples many, many different ways, retrospectively, pro- prospectively. So I think the fairer way to ask that question is, what do you what do you see that differential? Where do you see that in terms of, of uh, just uh, you know ratio and scale? You're, you're, I mean, I'm I'm going to if I don't answer your question, please kind of redirect me, but. You're definitely, we, we are as investors, um, certainly, um, open to paying a premium for a platform. So the platforms are definitely, are very, very attractive to us. And we can say, look, you know, the way we look at it from an investment thesis is number one, um, is this in an environment regulatory and payer environment where we like to operate. So some states are more friendly than others for what we do. You know, there are certain states that don't allow uh, outpatient-based cath labs. Um, in spite of what CMS is, their state regulations uh, prohibit that. Yep. So, or, you know, they just have, or, or make it longer and harder uh, by way of uh, certificate of need requirements. Um, so, you know, are we going to spend time in those states? Maybe for the right platform, the right practice. Um, but that that is certainly a consideration, the number one consideration that we make uh, relative to the investment thesis. Number two, we look at, um, you know, is this a practice that we want to be partnered with? And really that goes to, do the docs share our vision for an you know, fully integrated national platform. They don't want to grow. Number two, do they give great care? And how do we define that care? Usually, you know, cardiology is one of those things that you go to a cardiologist that you know is good. And you know that because somebody you trust and you love recommended this person to you. So it's very much a word of mouth um, uh, specialty. And so, you know, being able to we use sort of market share as a proxy for great quality care. And, you know, we can debate whether or not that's accurate or not, but we feel like, look, their practice is growing because they got a lot of people saying that they're a great practice. Um, uh, and then, so, you know, is it the right practice folks we want with a shared vision that give great care? And then number three is, you know, where can we be helpful? You know, how do we lean in to their strategy, their strategic vision of their practice 
and bring what we, you know, our strengths to bear in support of that executing that strategy and, and adding jet fuel where we can by way of capital or analytics or just manpower to help drive and grow. Um, so we're, for those practices, we, we're absolutely willing to pay a premium for those. Um, and we listen to the market. And you know, as more and more of these transactions happen throughout the country, it sets the market a little bit. You know, I, I think if you look at 2021, you probably had a handful, two or three, yep. maybe four deals that closed um, that are, and those, the valuations ranged from, I don't know, 12 to 16. And, and the EBITDA for those practices range from, you know, low single digit millions to, you know, 20 million. And so, you know, you're kind of looking at if, if you're going to just do it on the trailing 12 months EBITDA, you're going to pay a premium for the bigger, chunkier uh, EBITDA streams. Yeah. And like, you know, there's a lot of players looking to get into the space. You guys have had some early success. Uh, what is it about your model that you think is driving that success and will drive it? Um, you know, as the former chief operating officer for National Cardiovascular Partners, um, we just know a lot of cardiologists and we have good relationships uh, with them and we know cardiology. Um, certainly the cath lab space, you'll be hard pressed to find anybody um, then uh, that has built more outpatient-based cath labs and managed more than me and my team. So, um, you know, to the extent that that's an important component for the practice that you have, that you're working with people that know the specialty and that have a, you know, a, a history of, success and understand the demonstrated best practices of how to execute that upon that success, um, then, you know, that's important. Um, and I think, you know, the folks that with whom we have relationship, the cardiologists with whom we have worked in the past or that know us by reputation, um, that's an important component for them who, and I, you know, I think it's, it's a funny, um, dichotomy that I think every cardiology practice considers as they look at this solution. You know, they're saying, hey, how do I maximize uh, value today and be paired, you know, paid a fair price for, you know, the practice that I built and spent the last 20 years building or more? Um, my entire professional career, I'm heavily invested in this market, in this practice, and these patients. How do I maximize my value for that today? And how do I choose the right business partner that number one, I like to work with, number two, that has a shared vision, and number three, I feel comfortable and confident that they're going to be able to grow my practice. You know, so the bifurcation is value today and value tomorrow with people I like to work with. And so that that really becomes a difficult, sometimes difficult, you know, 
but it's an important consideration for many of these practices as, as they're looking to build and grow. They got to figure out which of those subordinates to the other of those two considerations if there's a subordination is required. Um, in best case, it's, hey, I'm getting paid the multiple I'm looking for, and I, I believe I'm getting a fair deal today, and I can't wait to work with these guys to get a better deal the next time. And, you know, you and I both know that these transactions, depending on who you transact with, they are built for monetizing, monetizing value along the way, creating value and monetizing that value over time. So being able to understand, hey, who can I work with today that maybe gets me my first bite at the apple because I'm going to monetize my yep. practice today and who can build it and monetize it again and maybe a third time before it's time to say, okay, you know what? It's been 10, 15 years and I'm, you know, I'm done or it's been five years and, and I can you know, retire early. And, and so that becomes a component that also weighs in on the equation as they're, or at least plays a part in their decision matrix. One of the things that happens is, you know, docs really don't like the idea and you hear it constantly. I don't want to go work for a hospital system or a big medical group. I don't want to become an employee. I think they see, and part of the promise of private equity is you have like-minded people putting our resources together to grow together. But clearly, they still have a partner and it's a bigger organization and the rules need to change a little bit. How do you really navigate that kind of the need for the independence that kept those doctors in private practice yet being part of a bigger organization with you? That's a great question because I think you're hitting on uh, a fundamental premise that I think a lot of physicians, um, especially the ones that we want to work with, um, uh, you know, almost an ideological point of view, um, or and they're kind of hardwired this way. It's I am fiercely independent. I've grown this practice. I want to stay independent. I don't want to work. I don't want to be employed by the hospital. And frankly, I don't want a suit telling me what to do. Right. And whether you, it's that suit is you, Rob, or it's, you know, some, you know, hospital CEO. Um, and that's right. You know, as an, as an entrepreneur, I'm right there with them. Um, and I think it goes to governance and autonomy. And so what's important to me is that we, you know, from what I tell my team and, you know, kind of why I founded uh, Partners First is the independence of the physicians and their autonomy is at the center of what we do. And so if we um, serve them at, you know, at their option, at their pleasure, and we are the ones that are providing them systems, processes, capital, expertise, analytics in the background so that they are able to make the best decisions for their practice, in their market with the speed that they need to, to grow. So that's really what I mean by, hey, how do we help them execute and add jet fuel to their strategy? So autonomy and governance, there's a local board. They run the board. We're on it. 
Um, and, you know, we know very clearly what we bring to the equations is really, you know, how do we bring back office support to them so that they make decisions that are best for their business. And so ours is not to tell them what to do or how to do it, but rather serve them in them telling us, this is the direction we want to go. And us saying, yep, great. Let's go figure out how to do it. So that could be, hey, you know, we want to hire another doctor. All right, great. Let us get a bunch of resumes for you. Let us do the recruiting and let us do the analytics of what that cost is. And let us do, let us show you that, you know, based on your current modeling, this is how long it's going to take to, for that person to come up to speed, build his practice and be profitable. Um, and, and what does that profit mean to you as a shareholder in the practice? Um, so, you know, that is all, you know, sort of the, the business analytics that we can provide, that we try to provide for our doctors and help them make a fully informed decision on how to grow their practice. That governance, those decisions are very local. I'm not going to tell them who they need to practice with or how, who they need to be a partner with. They're going to, that stays in place. So however they're currently making that decision, it will be A, their decision to make and B, their timing on how they make it. So, um, you know, that, that largely stays in place. Yeah. I'd be interested to, to, to hear from you guys, from your perspective, you know, representing these practices. What are you hearing as being the priorities? Like, so number one, why are practices coming to you? And number two, what are they prioritizing as they consider these different options and who they choose to go with? Sure. So I think that, you know, the clients that come to us, I think are certainly very grateful that they have a platform now to remain independent uh, in the near term. But over the medium term, you know, there's a clear recognition that for all the reasons you articulated earlier, they're going to need to consolidate. They're going to need to get larger. They're going to need to be able to play in the value-based care pool uh, and have more of a reach than an individual practice can have. Uh, you couple that with the fact that there is a market now for those practices. There are people that are looking at them uh, and valuing them appropriately from their points of view. Uh, and I think that, that that creates an environment in which they begin to look at, you know, um, we have the motivation and we have the means. Uh, and and the, uh, the priority list can also include autonomy, like you just mentioned, making sure at the local level they have that. I think they understand at a national level, uh, recruiting, growth, acquisitions, that that's not what they do. But that independence is, is, is important. Uh, and I think that those are the two driving factors, right, that uh, you know, now there, there, there clearly is a mechanism to, to consolidate, which is great, wasn't there. Uh, and they're doing it because they understand healthcare is evolving in, in ways that they will not be able to address. Uh, and they are interested in remaining as independent as possible across that spectrum. So what do you think, Jay? You know, I would absolutely agree. You know, not a doc around the country doesn't hear the giant's footsteps next to them, <laughs> whether it's the Kaisers of the world or the bigger medical groups, everybody consolidating. And they, I think a lot of them believe patients aren't getting the best care. They can deliver a better care, but really, you know, size does matter. They're seeing it. And they're really, some of it, I'd love to say they're being thoughtful and saying, gee, I'd love to find a good partner. But I think a lot of them are losing sleep at night 
and want some help. And not all of them are sure how to right, seek the help. So mm-hmm. I think it's just a great time. Physicians looking for an alternative like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say too, even at like a, even at like a micro level, you know, and I, and I, and I don't say this, I'm not being critical of our clients, but you know, all of them are, are relatively small businesses. Even, even if you have a hundred million dollar position practice, it is a small business. Um, and it is difficult to do everything, to be a good doctor, to be a good business person. It's difficult to find talent in organizations at that level. And I think that there's an increasing as, as we all experience this, you know, relative, uh, increase, uh, greater increase in costs than we are seeing in reimbursement. You know, they, they understand the handwritings on the wall there and scale is important, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just asking you, is there something that drives them? You know, I, I, I sort of outlined what I think is part of their calculus, you know, as they're making this decision. Is there something that, um, or are there other things that play into? So there, I heard you loud and clear, like there is a little bit of, hey, we need to do this. You know, there's a there's an imperative. So they kind of clear that hurdle. And then when they get, when they're considering the different options or the different, you know, buyers out there and, you, you know, you're taking them through the process, what are you seeing as coming to the surface as the top three or four things that most concern them? Is it all about price? Or is, are there other considerations that they that trump price or that are considered equal to that? Yeah, you know, and, and, and Jay, I'm going to hand this one off to you. But I'll say that at a high level, the first thing we tell clients is, is do not, you know, price is important. You're not going to take a dollar for your business, but that cannot be the driving factor in, 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 in the, uh, in the algorithm. It's in there, but there are other factors. Who, who is it that you're partnering with? What are they going to bring to you? How do they address your concerns? But we do have a doc on the line, so I'll, ha- I'll hand it over to him. <laughs> you know, um, I think it's, it evolves when a doc really goes and goes through the process because especially when they get multiple offers and people coming to them, they're very flattered. It looks great. And it's easy for them to get caught up in looking at the highest multiple or the highest dollar amount somebody's offering. And it's only till later when they start to think about it that they really say, wait, there are other things that are important to me. And it's hard when only one buyer comes to a, a dock, you know, they only see what's in front of them. I mean, fortunately or unfortunately for you, let's say there are other people coming to them too, and you have to compete with them on price, but also terms like autonomy, how much time off they'll get. Will they still feel like they're, you know, not an employee doc, but an independent doc, uh, buying into the future vision of the firm, how likely you are to pull it off? And be able to dominate, you know, get regional or national dominance. Because a lot of, you know, the buyers are saying the same thing to the physicians and it, they really do get confused. They want to take the money, but yet these other things are important and it becomes a real conundrum for them. Yeah, I mean, we tell them, we tell people, Rob, you know, when the deal's over, this isn't true because we stay in touch with our clients. We want to help them post deal, but we get to leave. They have to stay. So, uh, you know, you get that purchase price at close. So all the things Jade mentioned, I'd add, what's the likelihood of that second bite? 
what, what kind of model is being employed? Is it a levered model? Is it an unlevered model? Is it a hybrid? You know, a lot of a lot, a lot goes into that calculus of what this looks like over five years. Yeah, and I was to go back to what Jay was saying. You know, you can't minimize how difficult a decision it is for the doctors. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's incredibly hard for them to say, you know, what's what's most important now. It's very hard to see in the future. I think as human beings, we're, we're not we're not good predictors of our own happiness, and so we think that, hey, man, if I make a million dollars more on this deal, I'll be super happy. Yeah. By the time you realize say, it's not a good decision, it may be too late. Too late. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that you know an advantage you have, Rob, is. You know, you've been doing transactions with doctors. You have doctors that have worked with you that you can point to. And the doc, you know, you're, you have a good pipeline for them to do their due diligence. Not every potential partner can do that, which does give you an advantage and should give the doc some comfort also. Yeah. I, and, and it, yes. Uh, so thank you, Jay. And I think the other component um, is... I'm the guy, right? So I'm the CEO, I'm the guy you're going to be dealing with where I think because we are so early stage in this, Matt, a lot of the doctors are meeting the private equity guys, the partner of the private equity firm who is going to buy the practice today, but he has to hire a guy like me or has to do a search and, you know, do a bunch of interviews and you know, maybe the doctors get to meet the candidates. Maybe they don't. Um, they definitely go get to hire the person because the private equity firm is going to be the one that that hires them. And so, you know, that leadership team is the for the for the business is going to be the person that you're dealing with. Or the doctors are going to have to deal with on a day to day basis. Because guess what? That partner of that private equity firm, he's moving on to the next deal. Yep. He's going to go do a, you know, dermatology deal or he's going to go do a revenue cycle deal. And so I think it, to the extent that knowing who you're going to be your partner, your business partner uh, is important uh, as, as the docs are considering, you know, the, the different opportunities and options that they have. Um, meeting the person that you're going to be dealing with on a day-to-day basis and getting real comfortable with that person, I think has got to be a critical component. Yep. No, we agree. We agree. And listen, we also appreciate your time today. Uh, we're confident you'll have continued success. Uh, I'm impressed with what you've you know, come up with so far, and and, uh, and I'm sure that will continue. So uh, with that, guys, I think we'll, we'll come into the end of our time here and we'll wrap it up. Great. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Sir. All right. You got it. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode of Transaction Healthcare. Hit the subscribe button to get notified when we release new episodes. If you are someone interested in learning more about these topics, visit us at meritadvisory.com or send us an email at contactus at meritadvisory.com.